Our reading for today is taken from the book of Galatians 5, chapter uh, 5, verse 25, to chapter 6, verse 10. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and inveighing each other. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man rips when he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will rip destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will rip eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will rip a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of God. If you, um, if you have your Bibles, um, please do keep it open. I am looking for my Bible. Um, we've, been, we've been going through the series in Galatians, and we're coming to uh, the end of it, uh, almost the end of, uh, end of it. Next week will be the end of Galatians series. Um, and I hope uh, it's been helpful to go through the entire book in detail. I hope you have a handle on what the gospel is. And we've gone a lot through what the gospel is and what the, the, the theology of it. Um, but now, as, as we come to chapter 5 and 6, um, he will go into more of the, uh, the practicalities, what the applications are. And let's pray that God will take these words and apply them to our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks that these are living words and these are your words. And we thank you that your words are powerful. And we pray that you would open up these words um, and apply it to our hearts that we may bear fruit for your name's sake. Amen. There are a lot of things that float around the Internet. I don't know if you've seen these images. It contrasts what the expectations are and what the reality of things are. So this is one example of it. You might expect when you go to Beijing and see uh, the Great Wall of China that this, you might expect to see this beautiful scenery. But apparently, I haven't been there yet, uh, but apparently this is what you might find in some busy days. Um, a wall filled with people. I have experienced the next one. Um, as I was growing up, you know, you study this uh, picture, Mona Lisa. Picture of Mona Lisa. Apparently, I do not find her beautiful, but apparently this is a very beautiful person. And there's a lot of things, you know, literature written about this thing. And, and so I was really excited to go to Paris uh, uh, in my... Um, 
years after uh, university, um, and to go and see Mona Lisa. But I don't know if you, how many of you have been there? Raise your hand. Yeah. How many of you were satisfied with your experience? You see, none. Because what you see is, if you haven't been there, the picture is about this big. It is not a big painting. And because it's a famous painting, uh, it's filled with tourists. Apparently, this, I mean, this is, this was literally my experience. I was all the way at the back and people are just doing this, um, at the back, from the back. Uh, Often what we imagine things are going to be like is not how uh, the things really are. Love is no exception. Often when we think of love, we get this nice sort of warm and fuzzy feeling inside and we expect it to be inspiring and beautiful and all these good things. But love, in reality, is really tough. In reality, love requires a lot of work. Love in reality is tough. Although the, lo- the word love is not mentioned in our text. It's nowhere in the text, but it is, a, it is at the heart of the text. So take a look at verse 2, because this is what this passage is all about. In fact, this is what chapter 5 and 6 are all about. But take a look at verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We have been freed, of course, from the law of Moses. But throughout the letter, Paul has told us that we have, through faith in Christ, we have received the Spirit. And when the Spirit has come into our hearts, it then gives us a new desire. it, It gives us this desire to love God and love our neighbors. Love is at the heart of what God is doing in us. And that's what he said in the previous chapter. In chapter 5, verse 6, and that was a very critical verse. Chapter 5, verse 6. Open it up and take a look there. For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor circumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Once again, we are freed from the law of Moses, but then faith gives us that love, and we need to then express our, our, our works need to be um, our, our love for God needs to express itself in love for others, and that's there again in chapter five, verse fourteen, as he summarizes. The entire law is summed up in one single command, love your neighbor as yourself. Once again, we don't have obligations to the Mosaic law anymore. But if you are a Christian, you should have in your heart desire to love. Because this is what the Spirit does. He makes us a new creation. He makes us new people that loves to love God and love others. He makes us people who fulfill the law of Christ. And this is the law of Christ, right? And this is when, when we went back to Monday Thursday, chapter 13 of John, verse 34. Jesus gives us a new command. A new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. We are freed from desires um, to f- indulge in our sinful nature. And we are given a new law by the Spirit, law to love Christ and love others. And once again, as we hear this word love, and even the command to love one another, I mean, it fills us with all sorts of f- fuzzy and good and warm feelings. But carrying that love out in reality is nothing but warm and fuzzy. It is difficult. And so this text today in chapter 6 is all about how difficult love is. It is love in reality. Take a look at what love requires of us. Verse 1. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, 
You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may be tempted. We are to restore those who are caught in sin as an act of love. If you've ever tried to do this, you know how hard and difficult it is. Um, and you would only do this uh, if you really love that person. You know, if you were sitting in a restaurant or something and you overheard a conversation and somebody says, oh, I'm uh, committing this, um, I'm, I'm having an affair with a married person, you wouldn't turn around and say, oh, you really shouldn't do that. Maybe some of you would. Um, but I'm, it would be really awkward. You wouldn't normally do this. But uh, if my sister... If I heard my sister was committing adultery, then I would call the phone right away. I would fly over to the U.S. because I love her. Because I know that this is not a good thing for her or whoever else that she's involved with. This is not a good thing. And the loving thing then is to gently restore that person. If we love, we would try to restore that person from sin. And we wouldn't do this to everybody. He, I mean, after all, Paul says... Brothers and sisters, this is an instruction for the Christian. So we are to do this for the family of Christ. And Paul's also not saying that that we should confront people every time they sin. We are to restore those who are caught in a sin, he says. And this person um, is then a person who who is, is sinning all the time, the same sin again and again is unable to get out on his own. It might even be the person has been doing this for such a long time that he or she doesn't see it as sin anymore. They're caught in a sin. They don't see it as a sin. They might be in denial. We are to restore these people. And restoring is not the same thing as rebuking either. We're not just going to tell them off. And we're not saying that you are wrong. This is not the purpose of this it's restoration gently to the right relationship with God and with others. And what he adds there, but watch yourselves, or you, you may also be tempted, uh, is about attitude, right? We can't go into any of these things in trying to restore this person with the attitude of superiority. What he's saying is, you too might also be tempted, so be careful. What he's saying is, be humble, You too could be caught up in this sin. If not now, maybe in the future. You are the same kind of people, he's saying. Be humble and gentle as you approach this person. And can I say that this is impossible for us to do unless we know you. Unless there are brothers and sisters of Christ in your life who know you, this is impossible because if the only thing that I knew about you is this one sin that's been going around in the rumor mill, uh, it's impossible for me to go and say this in a nice way. It has to be in a loving, committed relationship. This is the only kind of context where this is possible. We have to come to know you. So be accountable. Can I just say that if you don't belong to a small group, this is the reason why we go on and on about small groups, because the church is not just a place where we come to get things. The church is a place where we keep each other accountable. Church is a place where we hear from you, um, and we hear from others. Uh, You hear from others. It's a place where we should be um, told when we are sinning. Uh, uh, It's a place where we are able to tell others when when we see that they are caught in a sin. And this is really impossible unless you belong to a small group. 
unless you are accountable to a few people around. This is not, I mean, we, this is great that you have come, but this on Sunday morning is not church. The relationships that we have, we foster, that's church. This sort of thing can happen, loving can only happen in that sort of community, not when you come and go. It's impossible for us to love you when you just come and go. So do commit to a small group. Do commit to meeting one another. Paul also here um, gives us another way to love. So one way of loving is uh, restoring people who are caught in a sin. But loving also means sharing one another's burden. We are not to live our lives alone. Love is about carrying burdens that are not yours and letting uh, your burden uh, be shared with others. This obviously means offering our time and money and emotional energy um, to others. And don't just be givers only. Um, Givers also tend to be private um, uh, solo Christians, um, don't they? I mean, they give... Uh, but they don't ever receive. Uh, and, and that they can do that with the... Um, but that is not how we're meant to be. We are meant to share burdens. So don't just give, receive. Ask when you need your burden to be shared, when it is too much to bear. Ask others to help you to carry along. We are a family, and family does this for each other. Verse 10. As we have opportunity, let us do do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. In many ways, our lives are a lot easier if we live our Christian life on our own. When you live a Christian life just between you and God, it might be a lot easier, but you will not learn to love, and you will not learn to receive love. That can only happen in a Christian community. But doing this, loving is fraught with dangers too. And Paul warns us about it. And isn't it interesting that this whole section about love starts out with warning. And actually, chapter 5, verse 26 belongs in this section more than the section before. Take a look at chapter 5, verse 26. Let us, become, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. He starts out this whole section about loving with this warning. Do not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Because as we do any work, any good work, even if it's following the prompting of the Spirit to love one another, if we do this, we might fall into this temptation, becoming conceited. Because thinking that you are better than other people. And that uh, sort of self-righteousness can easily taint our attitude. And if we love with that attitude, we might provoke others. And not only that, if we have that sort of attitude, then we might start envying others as well. Because those who think a lot of themselves. Uh, those who are honor-hungry often are uh, the ones who uh, are, are, are um, often envious of others who do more, who receive more honor than themselves. So as we love, he says, do not um, be conceited, do not provoke, and do not envy others. And Paul adds a similar warning in verse 4. So if you look down, he says, each one, as we love, should test their own actions, 
Then they, then they can pr- take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. And this is key to loving well, not comparing ourselves to others. We are not to take pride in ourselves because we are doing more than others. And we're not to become envious, envious of, of others because others are doing more than us. And we all, I think, fall into one of these tendencies. Sense of superiority, looking down on others because, well, you do so much. You volunteer so much because you're such a good person. You've been doing all these things. And that sense of superiority creeps up. I sometimes fall into this temptation and thinking, oh, everybody should become more like me. Or I'll, the other side is the, uh, the inferiority, feeling bad about ourselves because uh, we n- never feel like we're doing, doing enough. There's so much to do. And I see other people doing so much more than me. And we're going, well, why is it that I am not? You know, the, the sense of inferiority sets in. But... Both of them happen because we are thinking about ourselves and comparing ourselves to other people. So Paul says, don't compare. Ask yourself instead of your motivation, why am I doing what I do? Do our works naturally flow out of reflecting on what Jesus has done on the cross? Is it really out of praise and thanksgiving and gratitude? Or is it that I am offering these works for to myself, not to God? To feel good about myself, to justify myself in front of God. There is a good place for pride. I mean, he says they can take pride in themselves without comparing themselves to someone else. It's okay uh, and good to take pride in the fact that we have served others to please Christ. And that's a good thing. This doesn't happen too many times um, in my short marriage. But when I make Mary really happy, I become happy. I'm pleased with myself. Oh, man, that was, that was good, Hugh. <laughs> that sort of pride sets in. And this is how we are to be. When we do things for God out of gratitude to, to please God, not in comparison to, to anybody else, but we have done something to please God, then it, should, it brings joy to ourselves. And that is a good pride that we should take. And just quickly, verse 5 does not contradict verse 2. Verse 5, uh, where Paul says, uh, you should carry your own burden. In verse 2, he, there before, he said, we should share uh, well, share, we, sh- we should carry our own load. And in verse 2, he says we should, you, we should share our burdens together. Uh, first of all, the two uh, words are different. One's a burden. Burden is this thing that you can't carry by yourself. And the load in verse 5 is more like a backpack that you should carry on your own. What Paul's really saying is as we live our lives together, you should do your part. You should do your part. In loving, without comparing. And this is a principle that applies to many things. um, But Paul applies this principle to one specific issue in our text, in verse 6. He goes on to say, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with the instructor. There he's saying that... um, 
he's give, he's doing what he's, he he does in many other parts of scripture as well. He's giving priority to the importance of the word ministry in the church. He's saying that those who teach the word, you should share good things. You should do your part in uh, sharing your goods with those who instruct you in God's word. And, and you know, he says some things like this in other places too. This is First uh, Timothy five seventeen and 18, where he makes it very clear. The elders who direct the affairs of the church, well, are worthy of double honor, especially those who, whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it's, it is treading out the grain. And the, workers, the worker deserves his wage. In both passages, Paul underscores the importance of teaching and preaching ministry and how we should do our part in supporting that ministry. Everyone's supposed to contribute to the work of the church as it does its, its preaching ministry, teaching ministry. That is at the heart of ministry. All will come out of understanding and applying God's word into our hearts. That's how our lives will be transformed, and that's how we will live our lives differently. And Paul says, do your part in supporting that ministry. And that, of course, um, is just one specific application, but that uh, principle applies to all other things. Are we doing our part in loving? Are we doing our part in serving? Our works, um, what we do, will bear their fruit accordingly in due time. And we can't trick God. Whatever you do, whatever you do, they will bear their own fruit. And this is what he means uh, when he goes on to say in verse 7, that God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And I want to make sure, once again, that you understand that Paul's not talking about salvation by works. He's not saying if you do enough good things that you'll be saved, and if you do bad things then you'll be destroyed. That is not what he's saying. That would defeat everything that he said in, in, in the pre- previous chapters. He's been saying that your relationship with God is justified by faith alone. What he's talking about in this section, really, then, is a matter of wisdom. What is wise thing to do? And he's so also speaking to Christians, isn't he? He's saying, what kind of seeds are you sowing? Are you sowing the seeds that please the flesh? Or are you sowing the seeds that please the spirit? And the very question um, understands that he's talking to Christians. Because if you have the spirit in you, there is desire to please the spirit. Right? He's talking to Christians who have already been justified by faith in Christ Jesus and who have received the spirit. But he's saying that, you have a freedom to sow different kinds of seeds. You have a freedom to follow your sinful desires. But if you do, they will bear their own fruit. But if you follow the Spirit, then they will bear their fruit. What's wise? If someone lives a life of indulging the flesh, we suffer its consequences. Take sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. We might enjoy it for a moment. But it leads to a life filled with regret. Sometimes I mean, self-doubt and psychological, emotional damage that just it lasts a lifetime. If we give into fits of rage, then we reap the result of broken relationships and sometimes uh, irreparable damage to our reputation. If we sow jealousy, 
by following the desires of the flesh. Often we reap a life of discontent, gossip, even contempt for the good things that we already have. And these all lead to destruction. Of course, if we sow to please the Spirit, if we go on forgiving others, loving others, being generous with our time and energy and money, all of these things, if we're hospitable, if we dwell on what God has given us and are given to a praise and thanksgiving, then the fruit of the Spirit will be love, peace, joy, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All these things will lead us to this quality of eternal life that we will enjoy forever. It will start now. We, we can enjoy these things now. But because we live in a sinful world with our sinful bodies and limited time and energy, loving, sowing, and following the leading of the Spirit is difficult. Continuing to teach kingdom kids, Revelation Warrior, Solid Rock, is tough because you don't see the fruit right away. Doing good things, oftentimes you don't see the fruit right away, and so it's tough. But read these words carefully. He says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. At the proper time they will reap, uh, they will bear fruit. I have uh, many plants in my balcony. Um, some of them, if you have come to, if you've been to my house, you'll see that some of them have dried up and died. Um, that's, I, I've killed some basil plants recently, and that's partly because we just went through the winter and uh, winter season. I mean, Hong Kong, it doesn't get too cold, but you know, it's nice and warm and cozy inside, and you open the balcony window and it's cold, and so I didn't want to go outside to water these plants. These plants died not because there was anything wrong with the plants, but because I gave up on watering it and taking care of it. Whereas in due time, if I had kept going, I would have seen its fruit. Actually, I I don't know if basil plants bear fruit, but you know what I mean. Continue doing good in due time, and that time will come when they will bear fruit. Uh, we're sharing about this and how to apply this. Um, and Katra uh, told us that when she was young, a volunteer to, came and, and spoke about the importance of reading the Bible, feeding on God's Word. And, how, um, and she listened to it, but she wasn't a Christian then. Um, and she listened to it, but she didn't apply it until she went to university. Uh, university years were tough. She was surrounded by all sorts of people, all sorts of cool people who would have looked down on, on her uh, if she had uh, been seen reading a Bible, so she hid it underneath of her mattress. But then she said in the times, in these tough times, she read it every day. She read it every day. And uh, that volunteer who came long before didn't see the fruit right away. In fact, um, Katra doesn't, can't remember what the, the volunteer's name was. She might not even know, but in due time, our good works will bear fruit. We can't mock God because God is just. God is good. Even if we don't see our fruits and works, uh, fruits of our works uh, labor right away, God will reward us. So, love in reality. Expect love to be difficult. Jesus did. 
Jesus loving us was not easy. Remember his prayer, take this cup away from me. It was difficult, but then he went to bear our burden on the cross. Love without comparing. Jesus did. Imagine if Jesus had compared himself to other people. He would have said, well, I'm better than all these other people. Love without giving up. Christ was tempted in every way, but he did not give in, and he did not give up. And in due time, he will see his fruit, all of us, bearing his image completely, and it will bring great joy to him. Let's pray. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks for your son, Jesus, who not only became an example for us in loving others, that he made that love in us possible because he died for us and he rose again and he sent the Holy Spirit to us, that we have this great desire to please you and to love others and to love you. And we pray now that you will clear our vision that you will help us to not um, misunderstand what this love um, that the Spirit is calling us to do, that we don't think that loving will be easy. Help us also not to compare ourselves to others and help us to keep going, that in due time we may see our works bearing fruit that will glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.